0: This is the Read, Write, and Create podcast. The podcast where you get a bite-sized session of creative writing coaching from me, Lori L. Tharps. I'm an award-winning author of both fiction and nonfiction, a journalist, and a former college professor. I've spent more than 20 years writing, teaching, and coaching creative writers, and I created this podcast because I want to help as many BIPOC writers as possible get their stories out of their heads and into the world. Are you ready? Ready? Let's go. On today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to be giving you a quick pep talk and a permission slip to write what you know. For too long, writers have misunderstood this age-old writing advice put forth by none other than Mark Twain to quote-unquote write what you know. And they felt compelled to stay in a very limited box of what they were allowed to write about. Meanwhile. Tony Morrison fought against this notion very strongly and often said that writers should absolutely not write what they know because that would lead to painfully boring material. The truth is, Mark Twain and Toni Morrison are both right, and in this episode, I'm going to break down why and share how writing what you know can actually make you a better writer. So let's get to the pep talk. Hello, beautiful people. I hope everybody out there listening is feeling productive and at peace with themselves and their writing work. I know it's always a journey, but I always tell people to remember that tomorrow is another chance to try again. Okay? Good. So let's get into it. Today, we're talking about the popular writing advice to write what you know. Now, I'm just going to assume that every writer listening to this episode has heard that phrase before. It almost feels like a cliche by now, but it's actual writing advice attributed to Mark Twain, who supposedly was the first person to say it or the person who, you know, is known to have said it when talking about what's the best thing a writer can do. Now, Mark Twain, as probably everybody knows, is the famous American writer, author, and satirist most well-known for his books The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and The Adventures of Huck Finn, and maybe you might know him because of the Mark Twain Prize for American humor. But anyway... I don't actually know if Mark Twain had a follow-up statement to the write what you know, or maybe it was taken out of context, but it is probably today the most overused piece of writing advice that unfortunately is not only overused, but it's most often misunderstood and misused. Because at face value, write what you know seems to imply that you should only write about the life you've lived or the expertise you've gathered during your lifetime, like John Grisham was a lawyer, and he writes about legal cases and legal thrillers, right? I'm a Black woman married to a Spanish man. I have three children, two boys and a girl. So following this line of thinking, any fictional character I would want to write about should be a Black woman married to a Spanish man. Maybe I could divert a little bit and have a Black woman married to a South American man or Italian man, but that might be pushing it a little bit. Of course, if this is the way you did your writing, this is the way you approached fiction writing, you would have a very limited scope of possibilities with which to write about. But the truth is, (laughs) a lot of novels are just thinly veiled versions of the author's real life. Think Sylvia Plath's The Bell Jar, Laura Ingalls Wilder's Little House on the Prairie series, or even Terry McMillan's How Stella Got Her Groove Back. There's even a term for this type of writing called autofiction, and it doesn't mean just because you base your book on your real life that they're bad, but sometimes you just should call a memoir a memoir and stop trying to fictionalize it because a lot of times we're more forgiving if there's not a big juicy ending or a resolution of a problem in a memoir, but in a novel we expect more in terms of storytelling. So, We want to make sure that if we're writing fiction, which is what we're talking about, sorry, I didn't put that at the top of the show, but if we're writing fiction, which is what we're talking about, then this whole idea of writing what you know, if it's only what you know about by personal experience, then that can lead to some very boring writing. And that's what Toni Morrison was really fighting against. This was one of the things that she talked about a lot in her career when she was asked about what people should do as writers, especially new writers. And she taught at Princeton University for several years. And she had this to say when asked about this topic of writing what you know. Now, imagine I'm Toni Morrison. I'm not going to try to sound like Toni Morrison because that would be impossible. But this is what her complete answer was in an interview when she was asked about writing what you know. She said, quote, I may be wrong about this, but it seems as though so much fiction, particularly that by younger people, is very much about themselves. Love and death and stuff, but my love, my death, my this, my that. Everybody else is just a light character in that play. When I taught creative writing at Princeton, my students had all been told all of their lives to write what they knew. And I always began the course by saying, don't pay attention to that. First, because you don't know anything. And second, because I don't want to hear about your true love and your mama and your papa and your friends. Think of somebody you don't know. What about a Mexican waitress in the Rio Grande who can barely speak English? Or what about a madam in Paris? Think way outside their camp. Imagine it. Create it. Don't record and editorialize on some event that you've already lived through. I was always amazed at how effective that advice was. My students were always out of the box when they were given license to imagine something wholly outside their existence. I thought it was a good training for them. Even if they ended up just writing an autobiography, at least they could relate to themselves as strangers, unquote. So two things here. Tony Morrison argued that by mining our own lives, we are limited to potentially very boring story ideas. And moreover, we'd be shutting the door on so many other more exciting story ideas if we, quote, imagine something wholly outside of our existence. Think about Octavia Butler. She imagined entirely new worlds and different sentient beings and different laws of science in most of her books and stories. If Octavia Butler only wrote about what she knew, she would have to content herself with writing about being a poor black child in California. So... The point is to not write what we know. We should be writing about the worlds and our imaginations, write about people in foreign countries, write about unicorns and mythical creatures, write about people, places, and things that capture our imagination. We should write about a woman leaving her husband for a younger man, not our 30-year marriage to the same man. Who wants to stick to the boundaries of the lives we've only lived? So that's the end of the episode, right? screw write what you know, move on, but not so fast. Before we cast aside the write what you know advice, even though St. Toni Morrison said it, there is another way to look at this advice that can be very useful. We can reinterpret this write what you know to be the best advice, even for writers at every stage of their career. So I'm gonna break it down for you in three different ways of how you can look at this idea of write what you know, okay? So I'm gonna like add a little bit to the idea of write what you know. So number one, write what you know, semicolon. Just remember you can know anything if you take the time to learn it. What do I mean by that? Let's say you want to write about a woman who opens a cafe in Nairobi, Kenya, and then she ends up opening a giraffe sanctuary instead. Problem is, you live in Chicago, you've never been to Kenya, you know nothing about giraffes or opening a cafe. If you just try to write that book from your imagination, I'm not reading it. You have to commit to learning everything you can about the world you want to write about. You're gonna to have to go to Kenya. You're gonna to have to go to the zoo and visit some giraffes. You're gonna to have to interview cafe owners, right? You're gonna to have to learn this world that you wanna write about so that you can write about it convincingly. That is learning new things, but then you'll know those things and then you can effectively write about them. In other words, write what you know it's possible to know many other things than what you know right now. If you wanna hear about the level of research a person has to do to write convincingly about a world they know nothing about, I highly recommend you listen to my interview with author Lawrence Francis Sharma, who wrote the incredible book of the Little Axe. I'll leave a link in the show notes for you to hear that interview, but trust, it's a lot of work if you want to write authentic and compelling stories That are in worlds or have professions and things like that that you know nothing about. It doesn't mean you can't do it though. It just means you have to commit to the research so you do know about it. Number two, write what you know for the backdrop of the story you're trying to tell. Now, you don't have to do this, but this is actually very useful advice. If you have a story, You have the story idea, you have the characters, but you still need a setting for your story. Where's your story gonna take place? Write what you know is perfect in terms of deciding that you're gonna set your story in a city, a location that you know. So for example, if you... Are writing that story of the girl who wants to open the cafe rather than setting it in Kenya, you could just set it in your hometown instead. She could even open a giraffe sanctuary in your hometown. It would be challenging, but if you know the city that you live in very well, then that story becomes that much easier to write. When you need to do research, you don't need to book a ticket to another country. You can just walk out your door, do the sleuthing and the research just by walking around, not to mention the information that you already know from living in that city. So just as an example, when I wrote my novel, Substitute Me, I was living in Brooklyn, I set the story in Brooklyn. Before I finished the book though, we moved to Philadelphia and of course, (laughs) I put the second half of that book in Philadelphia because I could do the research for the setting in the place that I was. So I used what I knew, I used what I had at hand so that I could write this book authentically and the setting would look authentic. So settings, professions, illnesses, Anything that you know because you've lived through it and you've experienced it, use that to make your work more authentic, more honest, and 100% real to make it easier for you to write. It's hard enough to write a novel. You don't need to make it harder for yourself. If there are tricks you can use, such as writing about a city that you live in, making the character have the same profession that you've been doing for 20 years, giving the character a illness that you have that you can write about authentically. That's a great way to use that advice, write what you know. And number three, write what you know emotionally. I recently read this article that talked about writing what you know, that advice, is similar to method acting. Method acting is a type of acting that, um, it's a school of thought where actors learn to get into character, maybe their character is a murderer, they've never been a murderer, but they've been angry enough to want to kill somebody. So the idea is for the actor to get in touch with those emotions that they've had in the past that felt similar to the emotions of the character they're playing. So using this idea of write what you know emotionally suggests that when you're writing a character, even if that character is very different from you and they're experiencing different events in their lives, you can still imbue the character's emotional reality with what you know to be true. For example, maybe as a kid you moved around a lot and so you understood what it was like to have to integrate in new spaces a lot and a character you're writing maybe has a similar experience as an adult who has to start a new job in a new city. You can mine your own emotions of what that felt like to give to your character. So we as human beings understand kind of universal emotions. We know anger. We know rage. We know shame. We know the thrill of first love. We can use what we know in that sense to channel those emotions and put them on the page through our characters. So in that way, you are writing what you know. It's just not confined to your Specific individual experience, but by using what we know emotionally, our characters will feel more authentic on the page. Another example Toni Morrison herself. She wrote Beloved, but Toni Morrison was never an enslaved woman who killed her own child only to be haunted by that child's spirit. Nope, didn't happen. And yet she could identify with her title character because as a black woman raising black children in the United States, she knew intrinsically the fear of wanting to protect her black children against white racist violence. So if you have the emotional knowledge about certain things, you can use that. And you not only can use it, but you should use it so that your characters really pop off the page with their emotional authenticity, okay? So those are three ways that you can use that advice to write what you know in a way that is going to free you to write expansively and better than if you were not using your own experiences and not mining the curiosity that you have for other things. So write what you know, but with these addendums, if you will. The last thing I want to say about this is that it is okay to actually just write what you know, if what you know is pretty damn cool. I mean, some people have actually lived really crazy, exciting, fascinating lives, and to turn that into fiction... It's a good thing. And you shouldn't automatically throw it out the window simply because it actually happened to you. So what I will say there is write what you know if what you know is juicy and delicious. For example, Terry McMillan's How Stella Got Her Groove Back. That was a good damn story, wasn't it? A woman of a certain age meeting and marrying a much younger man that she meets on a vacation in Jamaica. Okay, yes, please sign me up, write that book. Or The Devil Wears Prada, for example. It's a great story based on this woman's life working with a Anna Wintour type boss in the magazine industry in the 90s. So sometimes, yeah, your life is that interesting and writing what you know, again, making a book loosely based on your exciting life experiences, it's okay sometimes. You're allowed to do it. So I'm gonna sum up by putting these write what you know advice into do's and don'ts. So you can write these down or just try to remember them. Ready? Here we go. One, do write what you know if what you know is juicy and exciting. Two, do write what you know emotionally. Use this adage to write what you know when talking about emotions, settings, professions, or other external character attributes. Three, do write what you know a lot about after researching your interests. Now let's talk about the don'ts. Don't write what you know if what you know is boring. Two, don't write what you know if what you know is based on stereotypes. One documentary you watched and or that one time you dated a person about culture X, okay? And number three, don't write what you know because you're scared to try something new. That's a box you have to break out of. You just have to commit to learning everything you can so you can write convincingly about it. You have that ability. And to be honest, researching what you're interested in is half the fun of writing. If it seems too daunting to you to dive into that level of research, then you probably shouldn't be writing fiction. And that's okay, because there's a lot of other things you could be writing about. And on that note, I'm going to leave you with two more Mark Twain quotes that speak to this very notion of knowing things. Because really, the best writers are the writers who know a lot of things. And when I say know, I mean that they have experienced a lot of things. The ones who are curious about the world and do their best to satisfy that curiosity. The best writers in the world are the ones who live fully in the world. So this is what Mark Twain said. One, he said, experience is an author's most valuable asset. Experience is the thing that puts the muscle and the breath and the warm blood into the book he writes. Isn't that great? I love that. It puts the breath and the warm blood into the book he writes. Mark Twain also said, don't look at the world with your hands in your pockets. To write about it, you have to reach out and touch it. So go out in the world, get involved in it, see things, meet new people, touch and taste everything that interests you so you can know more and then you can write more. All right, class dismissed. I hope this coaching session left you inspired and motivated to write, and I hope you feel a deeper connection and commitment to your literary projects and practice. Before I let you go, I wanted to pull your attention to the fact that I mentioned Lawrence Francis Sharma earlier in this episode, referring to all the research that she had to complete to finish her amazing book, The Book of the Little Axe. That book is phenomenal. It tells the story of a native Trinidadian woman who flees the island of Trinidad on the eve of the British takeover and ends up years later in the United States or what will become the full United States as the wife of a great Native American chief and living amongst the Crow Indians in Montana. It is truly one of the most riveting stories I have ever read. And while I think it's worth listening to the episode just to hear about all the research it took Lauren to do to write this book authentically. It's also just a great episode to listen to that is very inspiring about a woman who wanted to write even though she was a lawyer. And she took that leap to start her fiction career. And Stephen King plays a cameo in the story. It's a great interview Book of the Little Axe is a great book. I'm going to leave a link to the episode in the show notes, and I'm going to leave a link to the book so you can check that out as well. And finally, just an update. If you listen to episode number three of the podcast with author Tracy Lewis Jiggetts, then you'll remember that when we recorded, she had just found out that her book Black Joy had been nominated for an NAACP award. Congratulations on the NWCP Image Award. And I just want to know, how does that feel to be nominated for this particular award at this point in your career? First of all, it feels amazing. It's a long time. I've been in this game for 20 plus years. And so for that book to get that acknowledgement from that organization is very important to me. Black Joy, I wrote it for Black folks and for the organization that represents Black folks to acknowledge its value. It feels very validating, but also just feels really good in my body. So I'm grateful. Well, I am so happy to announce that Tracy won the award. Her book, Black Joy, Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration, won in the category of Outstanding Literary Work, Instructional. Congratulations, Tracy. I am so proud of you. You stayed ready and you won. Woo! I will leave a link for Tracy's book, Black Joy, in the show notes and a link to her episode in case you didn't have a chance to listen to it when it first came out. The Read, Write, and Create podcast is produced by me, Lori L. Tharps. Our editor is Brad Linder, and our theme music is by Wataboy. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts so you won't miss a single inspiring episode of the show. And if you're looking for more creative writing inspiration, writing prompts, and useful resources for your literary life, be sure to check out all of the amazing content on the Read, Write, and Create website. That's at readwriteandcreate.com. While you're over there, you can also sign up for my Read, Write, and Create bi-monthly newsletter, which is the first place where you'll find out about my latest classes and creative offerings, which I will be announcing very soon. Also, speaking of classes and offerings, if you're not already following me on Instagram and Twitter please do so because on those channels I'm always sharing advice and job opportunities resources, writing prompts all of these different opportunities for writers that come my way particularly for BIPOC writers. I want you guys to be in the know of all the types of juicy opportunities that are available for you so please find me over on these internet streets. On Instagram my account is under my name Lori L. Tharps. and on Twitter I'm at ReadWriteCreate and that's C R E and the number eight. I will obviously leave a link to both of those accounts in the show notes. So again, please follow me so that you can just get all of the opportunities that I am sending your way. Now, really for real, finally, (laughs) if you know any other BIPOC writers who might need a creative pep talk, please share this show with them. Share it online in real life. Anywhere and anyhow you want to. It's really my goal to help as many BIPOC writers as possible feel supported. And just knowing that there's somebody out there who's offering these type of pep talks and resources I know can help people. So if you know one person, just tell them about the show. Thank you. And you know, I will be back here in two weeks on Monday with another pep talk for you. Until then, keep writing.